Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. From KMOX Sports. Here's the pitch. A swing and a high fly ball. This could be trouble. It's at the wall. And it's a to sports on a Sunday morning oh, yeah. on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Welcome back to the show. Tom Ackerman with you and continuing on with some of our Garage Happy Hour with Bob Ramsey and Earl Austin Jr. We had it last hour as well as Travis Ford live, the SLU basketball coach. John Mosellock will talk some baseball with us at 11.30. At 11.45, it's Eli Drinkwitz, the head coach of the Missouri Tigers, a winner yesterday over South Carolina. 17 to 10. Good win for Illinois over Nebraska, 41 23. I was going to talk some football in this segment, but I'm switching back to the discussion with Rammer and Earl. It was just too good, and there's too many good stories to be told. We were getting into Rich Grower, who really brought that program back and uh, maybe from extinction. I mean, it was, uh, it was teetering there for a while in the early 80s as to whether they would move forward. They did. Here's Earl, Bob, and me. of St. Louis U, and as Rammer said, he did it mainly bringing local guys to stay home because, like I say, Dominican basketball was great in the 40s and 50s and 60s, and a lot of those guys of great players were from St. Louis uh, area, whether it's Easy Ed from SLU, the, uh, Jimmy Irving from Beaumont, and just anybody and in between in the 40s and 50s and 60s. There were all kinds of guys from, from the St. Louis area which helped make that program better. And when Rich took over the program, he really bought that back. Local guy was very successful. He and the great uh, late great Lee Winfield as his assistant coach. Wow. Bro um, Douglas, Roland Gray, even before that, Pee Wee Leonard, Luther Burden, Jimmy Roder came back, uh, and then like you say, Monroe, Roland, Anthony Bonner, and it just it, it turned into just a, a fun time. Like, even the Keel Auditorium was uh, was packed. Oh, I love, love Keel. Great basketball. Yeah. I couldn't get to the game. I was listening to Rammer and Clay's uh, doing the game, and it was a hot ticket. It was very exciting basketball there. Rich, uh, I love it. They brought it back. 
Yeah, what a great run. You know, I always felt like St. Louis put their arms around this program and, and tried to get it to, to where it wanted to be. I mean, this, this team felt like, look, in 1948, you know, they won the national championship. They won the NIT. Yeah. Uh, people, the, the oldest fans remember, this team has been at the top of the mountain. So there was always that feeling, what do they have to do to get it back, get it back? And uh, I want to skip ahead a little bit because we did talk about Lorenzo Romar, although I will say, you know, here's another example of a guy that, even as a media member, like you just got attached to all these coaches. Spoon was so terrific. I remember I saw Romar at uh, the airport. This was after it was announced that he was moving on from SLU to another program. And, and we're, you know, we kind of said goodbye and, and hugged and he walked to his gate. My wife was like, are you crying? <laughs> I'm like, no, but I, like, I kind of got a little misty. I like, I got attached yeah. to the guy. Like I, <laughs> Well, Earl told you the like story I, about how classy he was to us. Um, that was a, a pretty rare example of coaches. Um, uh, and he just, he was so thoughtful and classy to everyone he, he dealt with. He was, um, uh, I love the guy and I'm glad he's had a, has had and continues to have a terrific career. Yeah, for sure. And Brad Soderberg. You know, he was a fighter. I mean, and still, you know, it just what I was so happy about him winning a title with Virginia. I, I couldn't yep. help myself, but but talk to him uh, during that run last or uh, well, a season or two ago at this point. Yep. But um, you know, I I had so much fun watching that because I liked him a lot too. And and the game that sticks out, I wrote about it this week, was the the win over Louisville. I just. You know, the win over Rick Pitino in Louisville was so special. At the time, I don't know that people remember this, but SLU really was. I mean, Marquis Perry said it after the game. This team was at the bottom of the conference, and they rose up and beat Louisville 59-58. What do you remember from that game? I remember uh, both of us losing our minds at the end, Earl. <laughs> you remember that? We Everybody it was the, It's the best the call. Up talking about it, me hyperventilating at over Rammers yelling, the Billikens of upset number two, me hyperventilating in the background. I think everybody still plays that. And, and it's so good. And you know, Tom, um, Conference USA was terrific, and the Billikens had some great wins like that one. And Earl mentioned the uh, uh, miracle in Memphis and all those things. It was uh, that was not a mid major conference, that was football schools with big budgets, and for the no excuses, the Billikens weren't forced into the conference. They chose to go there, um, but it was it was difficult to compete. And so when the Billikens were doing well in the conference, it was, in my view, a pretty spectacular effort. It really was, and, and Earl, he oversaw the transition to the A-10, you know, which is not an easy thing yeah. to do, but he coached through that, Earl, and – uh, eventually the coach that took over was Rick Majerus. And when that news came out that this this coach who was going to be in the Hall of Fame was going on to SLU's campus to control the program, the expectations were raised, weren't they? That was a, a special time getting that news. It went to another level. I mean, you're talking arguably the greatest mind in the history of college basketball. And in basketball, I mean, you're talking him, even Hubie Brown, a few others. We're just talking about a mind for the game. Unbelievable, Bobby Knight here from your uh, alma mater, Indiana. It, it, it's unbelievable. It's, it's he's one of those guys that he'll talk for an hour 
guys, I talk to guys who have coached for 20 years, head coach, established guys who've had a lot of success. They spend an hour with Rick Majerus and they walk away thinking they don't know anything about the game. <laughs> that deep, and he's able to communicate it to his players, and uh, he had us on a track that, uh, you know, uh, that was, that was uh, remarkable. It, it, yeah, it was remarkable. It, and you know, Tom, um, it was, um, he was so good. And he, w- he was a maestro. I-, I say that because we saw on many, many occasions, he orchestrated the way the game would go. And uh, uh, no bigger example than the NCAA tournament against Memphis. And um, poor Josh Pastner, who was, a, was the hot ticket in college mm-hmm. basketball. And this is nothing against him, but just goes to show you that, and, and Rick controlled that game. I mean, it he it was just as if he had scripted the game, uh, and uh, poor young pastor, he was he. You could look on his face; he was in over his head. It was a uh, it was a real, it was an honor and a pleasure watching Rick work. He was he was great. He was so prophetic too, because he even said maybe uh, one of his last years. He said, and within two or three years, Singles U will be in the top ten. <laughs> That's a big statement. And he the last game uh, that season in 2012, and uh, we lost a year later. But uh, that following year, we were like 16, 17, and 1, and uh, rankings came out midseason, and St. Louis U popped up in the pop in the top 10. And I think Paul Biancardi, uh, who was his former assistant, he's the one that actually found that tweet and said that, uh, you know, Rick Majerus said that they were, he was on staff. Thing was, you will be in the top ten in the years, and no enough there it was. And I had to repeat that with the quickness. But here we were. He was prophetic too. He knew what he man. Not one thing to be able to be knowledgeable and know everything, to have a plan and have the wherewithal to execute. And he did it everywhere he went. But was remarkable. I always said, it. had he lived and still continued to coach, we would have been in the Big East Conference. Wow, I think so. Because you can say we were on, we were on the, on the, on the. He always said that um, an arrow was always pointing up. And you're talking the biggest. He would have been the biggest name other than Jay Wright. He would have been the biggest name coach right there, and uh, we probably would be in that. Wow, uh, I, I love hearing uh, these stories, and and you know, Coach was Coach Majerus was so, like you said, he could script the game, know the game. He knew the opponents players like they were his own and and kind of like admired them and, and knew the their positives negatives and convey that to his team it was remarkable um, hey, hey tom one more yeah. thing about about coach majerus before you move on um it's probably overused and we talk about really smart people especially in sports uh, a beautiful mind but if you remember in a beautiful mind where russell crowe's character would write all the things down on the boards in the window wherever he could write um Rick, especially on the road, would go into a banquet room and all four walls in the room were covered with plays on big sheets of uh, artist paper. You know, those big wide sheets that you have on an easel. And he would take those and all the plays in the game plan would surround and be that would be wallpapering the entire conference room. He was a beautiful mind. Wow. And he'd have like a laser pointer, right? And he'd. Crazy, 
it was it was it was wild that's amazing um we're here we're in my garage i'm actually this is incredible for mid-november i'm wearing short sleeves and shorts i so it doesn't I. feel like it does, <laughs> doesn't so feel like I. basketball season just yeah, today. yeah my wife are out working in the yard today <laughs> yeah it's amazing oh. Uh, that said, we're getting a little bit of a, a wind here, starting to cool off. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna put something on here just for a Uh-oh. second. So. He set us up. Here we go. Goes over the head. Looks like a quarter zip. And yes, it is the slew quarter zip. All right. Well done, Tom. There we go. There we go. That's better. Yeah, that feels very better. nice. Yeah. So you know who gave me this? Um, Jim Cruz. Uh, you know, just, there's another guy. Yep. There's another guy, Jim Cruz. I'm glad you mentioned him because, unfortunately, his legacy ends with some bad years. Although he was the he was the coach of the year, keeping that Billiken team together that was so good when when Rick passed away, and it was a truly marvelous coaching job. Um, Jim just let the recruiting part of the game get away from him. Um, but the man could coach, as you know, there's an example. He was, he was really a gentleman. And, um, the time that I thought I was going to get thrown out of the game, he was there. And I, you know, I, I was mortified that, that he would be mad at me and I'd get in trouble and all those kinds of things. And he just kind of laughed and what'd you say? And, and he's, I said, coach, I'm sorry. And he goes, ah, he waved it off and laughed. And, um, really, really a terrific person. And it's a shame that the record doesn't reflect how good of a coach he was, except for the recruiting part. Yeah, what a coach, Earl. And and the game that sticks out to me, there were a lot of them, as he won back-to-back A-10s. But the win over NC State in the NCAA tournament in Orlando, I, I drove up from Jupiter to go to that. Uh, what a win that was. We were getting killed. I mean, we were down 18 points. And I remember before the game, before the game, Coach K was railing about why is the A-10 got six teams in the tournament because NC State was on the bubble. NC State belongs in the tournament in front of one of those A-10 teams. They don't they don't need to get six teams. NC State needs to be six, you know. Then lo and behold, you know, we play NC State in that first that game because they played on Tuesday at Dayton, so they had a game up on us. And they were blowing us out. And I'm saying, you know, God, maybe Coach K was right. But then we came back. <laughs> Into the overtime, and then what? Ten seconds left. We had the ball, and I was like, "Okay, Jordan Jet going to his left for the game-winning layup." And Jordan did his thing, laid it in, and Rob Lowe was unbelievable. Rob Lowe had a tremendous game, and Rob Lowe was so good in that game. He had like twenty-four points. That the actor Rob Lowe uh, uh, tweeted. That's right. Tweeted that uh, yes, our Rob Lowe, Rob Lowe's know how to get it done. Yeah, so awesome. that's great. Yeah, but, <laughs> The crowning achievement for as uh, as a Bernie Miklas called the Sons of Majerus, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm really like I said, not only that win, but Jim uh, leading that program uh, through its darkest hour. You know, with the loss of a coach. You know, not leaving the program, but coach dies, gets sick, and dies. And, and, and Jim was able to guide the program and those young men and, and everybody through that very, very uh, somber time and uh, let it happen. Uh, one thing Jim also gave credit to because he was kind of the Majerus whisperer. We were playing, uh, uh, I forget who we played, but it was Rick's 500 
of the game. He was at 499. And we were playing a team which was okay, but had no business being in the game with us. And we literally played terrible until the last five or ten minutes, and then we ran or ran away with it. Then by then, everybody had their 500 placards ready to celebrate Rick's uh, 500 victory. So Rick, after the game, he was so bad, he shook hands and walked off the court. (laughs) (laughs) There goes Coach! (laughs) And Jim literally chased him down and brought him, went to the locker room and brought him back out there. But Ricky said, I wasn't coming back. I was not. I mean, he was really, not. Jim literally went and got him back and told him, look, 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 well, Jim played and coached for Bobby Knight, so he's used to this sort of thing. So oh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, Rick, we, everybody was able to celebrate the big man's 500 victory. But Rick, Jim made that happen because Rick just left the court. He was so mad that he didn't play well. <laughs> I love that. And Majerus was the one who talked to Cruz, you know, to go back into coaching and, yep. and to be part of his staff. And I just, I just love the, the, the story of those two, how Jim carried through what Rick started and, and ended up winning those back-to-back eight tens. And then we have Travis Ford. And, and uh, before we talk about that, I do want to say a word about our sponsor, Ameren, Illinois. Um, they have been absolutely wonderful. You know, actually, I'll, I'll hold off till the end because we have a special word from Ameren, Illinois, at the end of our program that I want you to stay tuned for. But Ameren, Illinois, I will say this, has been uh, an awesome sponsor. Uh, Richard Mark and that great group uh, have stepped right in. Uh, go to AmerenIllinois.com for energy efficiency tips. And I'll have a word about them uh, before we go. But I really, really appreciate them as a sponsor. But here we are. I mean, this, this is the Travis Ford era. It's hard to believe this is year five. Um, you know, I met uh, Coach uh, at the Final Four in 16 down in Houston when he was hired. Um, but I had met him before that at Oklahoma State. Um, Bob, I would say that Oklahoma State included, this is the best team he's ever put on the floor. I, I, I think this is a very special group. Well, I'll go this far because, I, you know, um, I know he had some really nice, really nice clubs there. But this is the deepest <clears throat> Team, I'm going to go ahead and say, um, not just in my years, but in Billiken history. Um, there are 13 guys and a transfer and two walk-ons, and it, every one of them can play. And I, I, I think you agree, Earl. This is the deepest team. You have you have three, and I believe before the season will be done, at least five players getting all conference mentioned somewhere in the first team, second team, all defensive, whatever. There'll, there'll be a ton of accolades. This this is a tremendous ball club. It really is. Uh, you got experience. You got point guard play. You got youth. You got shooting. And you got leadership. You got everything. What I'm impressed with is, you know, at the mid-major level, it's hard to keep good size, you know, you know all the time. And we got three guys who can really play. You know, Hassan French, obviously, is the anchor. Uh, Big Jimmy Bell up front really came on at 6'10". And then Big Martin Lisson, the 6'8", 6'9", transfer from Wilmington. We got three big guys who can really play. And then we got another guy, Francis Okoro, who transferred, who probably sit out, sitting out, but from uh, from, uh, Bloomington, 6'9", 240, can really play. So to have that kind of size and depth, up front, and we not only mentioned uh, um, the the local talent that we have, and that's what impressed me most. When Travis, his first 
press conference. You're talking about winning the press conference. He really did have everybody excited. He talked about, I really want local guys. I want St. Louis guys. And then about a couple months later, Jordan Goodwin committed to St. Louis U. And that was shots fired when he got that commitment. And now we got Jordan's on his you know last year of his great career, and then Javante Perkins, probably the best scorer in the league. Yuri Collins, a point guard, great passer, and then uh, TJ, who's our girl, who's a highlight film. So to see uh, not only the program really doing well, but to have a group of local guys uh, with St. Louis on their jersey, you know, helping drive the bus too as well, makes it even more special. And you know, it, it, we just got a lot of you know Fred Thatcher's local, you know, semi-local, couple hours down. Yeah. The, we got the Boot Hill covered, and uh, uh, like I said, we got we got a lot of we got a lot of bases covered. With this one, Gibson shooting the ball. Uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, and Tom, you know, um, the thing about uh, Travis is, um, and as you get to know somebody, uh, his enthusiasm for his job and. The thing that is hardest for many coaches, we were talking about recruiting, his enthusiasm and embracing uh, recruiting. Uh, I've never seen a coach who embraces it like he does. Uh, and again, not just with the hard work. A lot, every To recruit, you have to have hard work. But the positive enthusiasm a- attitude uh, uh, that he uses in that recruiting, it's really remarkable. He, he is... He is a great coach, and I think his X's and O's coaching is um, uh, unbelievably underrated around the nation. Earl, I think you agree. That man can coach. Yeah, I think every year uh, St. Louis U is pretty much is performed above its, uh, you know, what people thought of them. Perception, yeah. Perception. You know, a couple years ago, we were picked to win. We hit a snag, but then we came back and won the tournament and went to the tur- and went went to the NCAA. But you know, we had different things that happened, and he faced a lot of adversity those first two or three years. Yet he had that team performing at a high high level uh, above its talent and very competitive. And like, that's Travis, and that's the competitiveness of the kids, and uh, and he's just continued to recruit. And uh, what I like is that. He's he's putting up. He's got a, a program in place now. Like we, when the team yeah. that won two years ago, we had Javon Best and a group of five seniors, a bunch of fifth year seniors, mm-hmm. and they graduate. You think there's some drop off, but now they pass that along to this new leadership group, which was Jordan and Hassan, and now you had Javante, who are three seniors, you know. And then as they move on, now you still got the next wave. You know, you got Yuri, you got TJ, you got Gibson, you got Fred, you got Demarius, Jimmy, uh, 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 Francis, uh, Martin. And so you got to still with a, a, a great group of guys. And that's how you build a program. One group moves on, they pass it along to another solid group. And that's kind of what has tripped us up from being like a Gonzaga or Carbondale or Creighton or Xavier over the years, we've had that good run. Then we slip and kind of have to mm-hmm. build. That. Travis has done a nice job of uh, keeping things. Like last year's kind of a rebuild. If, they, if you were going to get us, you but you better get us. And then we knew this year was going to be good. But we want by the end of the year, we were as tough as anybody. 
That's a really good point made by Earl Austin Jr. It's a, I think it's a reason why a lot of them came back because they thought they'd be really good. Their, their hearts were broken in Brooklyn as they found out that the season had abruptly come to an end because of COVID. And that's what you have to hope for here is that college basketball can be played if you're a SLU fan. Because if it is, if they find a formula for playing and they can keep COVID away from these players and can play through the pandemic, I, I can't tell you that SLU isn't a contender to go deep into the tournament. I think they could be a real threat in the NCAA tournament. They have that kind of team. If they can get into the tournament at a very good seed, they could be very tough to put away because they're deep and big and they have a ball handler and they have a scorer and they have a coach who's been like, they have all the pieces that you would want for this school right here, right now. It's very interesting. And it's going to be on KMOX starting Wednesday night. Slew at SIUE from Chaffetz Arena. I'm Tom Ackerman. We're also the home of the St. Louis Cardinals. And John Mosellock joins us next. From KMOX Sports. Here's the pitch. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday Morning. Oh, yeah! On America's Sports Voice. KMOX. It's 11.32. Mizzou football coach Eli Drinkwitz will be joining us live at 11.45, his usual time on Sundays. We appreciate SLU basketball coach Travis Ford with us at 10.45. And joining us at his 11.30 time is John Mosellock. It's actually 11.33. I apologize for being late. The Cardinals president of baseball operations. I appreciate you very much. Thanks for joining us on the show. Uh, good morning. Thank you. Uh, it's good to be with you. Good morning to you. I, I wanted to talk about, of course, the off season. I will say up front that uh, you and I have agreed in the past uh, to keep this policy going. We're not going to talk about free agents. Um, and that's something that we've understood for a long time. So we, we're going to talk about uh, a lot of things that are happening with your club, talk about your roster. And I do want to hear a few thoughts. I kind of want to get up to date, if you wouldn't mind, on some prospects, just because you know, to be honest, John, we just haven't been able to see them. And I think that's probably part of the puzzle here when you're making deals, isn't it? Is that there's not really anything to go on from 2020, a lot of your minor leaguers. Well, certainly uh, a lot of our players did not get to participate this past year, like many other minor leaguers. But, you know, we did inject, say, roughly 10 to 12 in our uh alternative camp down in Springfield. So we did get some guys to, to obviously work out. Um, I think guys that took, you know, really positive steps forward would be the, the two players by the name of Libertor and Gorman. Uh, but clearly we also had some guys from our draft in there as well. And, and I really feel like, you know, unfortunately trying to replicate games and, and, and trying to make it feel as much like a season as possible is hard to do. But I would say these younger players were participating against players that had major league experience. So I do think those, those individuals actually did benefit. And, and so as we look to the future, I, I do feel like even though we're you know, in the midst of this pandemic and it's probably at a high watermark right now, we are encouraged that we will see some form of minor league baseball next year. I think everybody in baseball realizes the importance of getting players back out on the field getting players participating in games. And what you don't want to do is just have another lost year. And um, obviously there's going to be some changes in the minor league system this year. Uh, I think most people or most fans are aware that, that there, there's going to be some reduction in, in teams. Um, I, I hope that makes it more manageable during a pandemic to, to get players back on the field. 
And so, um, you know, certainly looking forward to learning when, when those dates um, will be announced and so we can plan accordingly. But, you know, really that's the biggest frustration in all of this is just trying to plan, um, whether it's the major league roster, whether it's for um, the major league season or even the minor league season. It's just there, there's a lot of difficult decisions to make. And it's hard to make them when, when there's so much uncertainty. I remember that day when you sent out, it was like a 24-hour period, maybe 48 hours, where you sent out all those minor league players back home. That was some operation. I think when you really step back and look at this and you see how many players we're talking about, the minor leagues, it is a, a major amount. That was really something, wasn't it, what Gary LaRock and his group did to, to get everybody home safely? Yeah, it was somewhat incredible, right? Because that... The, the last, so you got to go back to about March 13th, um, 2020, when really we were about to open minor league camp. And so we had all the players fly in, drive in, wherever they're coming from. And then, you know, we decided that, that it would make sense to try to get everybody back home because we had a sense that baseball was going to shut down. And so, yeah, Gary and his staff did yeoman's work getting everybody out. Um, good news was at the time that, you know, the airline industry was still moving at full throttle. And so we were able to get everybody home with the exception of Venezuelan players. And they ended up having to go to Dominican Republic. And this is probably one of the more sadder stories really, but they ended up living at our Academy really up until about, uh, September. Wow. And even part of that, because the DR doesn't quite have like the testing capabilities and, and uh, things you might see here in the States. And so we really were pretty limited on what they could do. But at, I'd say probably by the, by June, we were like, look, these guys can start working out. They can start, you know, playing catch and just have some sort of normalcy. But yeah, you could imagine not being able to go home for, for six months and, and, you know, just the experience was brutal, but I say, I would say like Luis Morales and his team, you know, they kept trying to find ways to get these guys home. And finally, finally we were able to do so. So, um, but, but these types of challenges are something that we're sort of trying to balance for next year too, because we don't want to have a, a repeat of, of that type of event. So, you know, fingers crossed that, that we can get things organized, get things arranged where we can have a successful campaign. Wow, that's really something that's uh, that's another eye-opening example of what goes on behind the scenes that people just don't know. Uh, you mentioned Gorman and Liberator. If you were to, if someone was to rank your top prospects, those two would absolutely be in your top five, uh, along with Dylan Carlson, of course, who has seen major league experience. But um, where... Are, how do you feel about Gorman and Libertor? Again, not seeing them uh, be able to play competitively necessarily, but the two have a very high ceiling in your estimation, don't they? Yeah, again, th these are two young guys that would have likely participated at Double uh, A this year, and and so to be able to compete against players that that had major league experience, I think they both benefited from it. I think it's a little easier to replicate having a pitcher workout because you know, they know what they need to do. They know their plan. Um, you probably don't have the same maybe energy um, that you might have in a, in a regular game, but you know, everything I heard about how he pitched and how he went about, it was pretty exciting. So, you know, we're, we're looking forward to seeing him in a competitive environment. And obviously uh, the first, uh, 
glimpse of that will be sometime in, in February. And then Gorman, you know, the one thing that, that he's working on is his, is his contact rate. Um, he's one of those young men that has just you know, elite power. And so combining improving that contact rate with that power, that exit velocity is something that we're really focused on. But um, everything I heard from the coaches that worked with him, they felt like he was making uh, very good strides. And so, you know, you have those two guys and probably the other name you probably should throw in there is just Ivan Herrera, who yeah. recently got added to our roster. But here's a young man that, that has a nice offensive profile. Um, I, I do he is improving defensively, but he, he isn't someone that you would look at right away and say he's going to win a gold goal type, but continues to work on that. And with the offensive profile, though, and the way this game's being played today, it's it's an exciting uh, um, set of tools. So we're very excited about those guys. Herrera, one of those players that you protected uh, from the Rule 5 draft, you had to do that by Friday, right? You had to get that That's done? correct. And so we, we, we initially did him early, and then we were having some internal debate on what to do with uh, Rendon, uh, right-hand pitcher, and we ended up adding him as well. And you, know, you almost have to like turn back the clock, and, and almost how you started this conversation was, you, know, you, you just didn't get to see some things that you may have needed to, but a year ago, we would have been talking about him, and, and he was recently named, at the time, Texas League Pitcher of the Year. And so we just really felt like, what he accomplished in 2019 shouldn't be overlooked by not having, you know, even close to a normal 2020. And so he was rewarded with getting added to the roster as well. He's only 22 years old. Herrera's only 20. There's a, a lot of bright prospects in this organization, to be sure. John Mozalock is with us. Uh, you've preached patience this offseason for a number of reasons, and we've gone through them. The MLB trying to figure out revenue streams, rules, among other things, uh, the winter meetings will be different, won't they? Uh, how, how, what do you envision there? How does that work out this year? So my understanding right now is, as most people that don't realize, winter meetings is really an industry meeting. And what that means is, you know, whatever your discipline that you work in, whether that's like on the medical side, whether that's on the, the strength training side, whether that's uh, player development, all of these departments have their own meetings and, you know, and discussing what's, you know, what's current in the industry, what they should be thinking about for the future. And so all that goes on. Most people think it's just, you know, the GMs get together and talk trades and sign free agents. And that's certainly part of it, but honestly, we could do that anywhere. So that, that part of the, uh, the week won't get lost. What will be lost is just those face-to-face interactions. But, um, I still don't think that will deter from, from seeing some form of action, but you know, really it's, it's, it's going to be a change. I think a lot of like the, the employee side of things that like work for me are going to be like most disappointed because for them, it's, it's like that one time where they can reunite, um, see people they work with face to face and other organizations. And there is a camaraderie side of this that, that will be missed. And it's also a very big networking event. So, um, that unfortunately will not occur either, but I think from just a pure baseball and, uh, transactional side of things, all that will get done. And I do think from, you know, those departments that we touched on, they will be doing zoom meetings and doing it virtually and try to make the most of it as well. And finally, before we get to that, what is next for you as we approach the Thanksgiving holiday? What's next for the Cardinals for you? 
Look, I think the big thing for us is still resolving what we're going to do with uh, Molina and Wainwright. Um, I think from there, then it, then we determined, uh, you know, where we are, if there is a fork in the road on what we have to end up doing. And so, you know, right now we've spent a lot of time just on the phone, talking to different teams, trying to get a sense of what they're doing, what we might be able to do. And uh, so, as I've stated before, it's it's really just sort of remain open-minded, um, you know, try to see, see if there's any creative opportunities that, that may be out there. And as you started this uh, last question with the word patience, um, that's really what we have to do as we sort of wait and, and get a better understanding of, of some of the questions that we have going into 2021. We appreciate you keeping the line open to us always. It's uh a time to be thankful, and we have a lot of things to be thankful for in what has been a very tough year in 2021. We hope to have big, bright things happening at Bush Stadium, have those lights on, fans in there. We'll get there. It's just uh, it, patience all around. John Mosaloc, we appreciate it very much. Thanks for this time. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. Yeah, thank you, Tommy, and I wish everybody a happy and healthy Thanksgiving as well. Yes, sir. Thank you. John Mosellock, Cardinals President of Baseball Operations with us. Eli Drinkwitz is next on Sports on a Sunday Morning on KMOX. From KMOX Sports, here's the pitch. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday Morning. America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Tom Ackerman back here with you. It's 11.50. We are trying to get in touch with Eli Drinkwitz, but understanding, of course. Look, they traveled last night from South Carolina. They did tell us that uh, Coach would be ready to go this morning, but when you're traveling back and you got to throw your schedule back together, plus, remember, they are without a lot of people, and they're trying to sort this all out. The COVID-19 protocol right now has depleted this Missouri roster severely. In fact, they didn't even have their defensive coordinator last night and found out uh, that they had to go with David Gibbs, their cornerbacks coach, to be the coordinator jumping in from the sideline, and they finished off South Carolina. They won the game 17-10 to last night, a very good win for Missouri. Yes, they were favored in the game. But remember, this is a team that has, as Drinkwitz put it himself, uh, kind of like a one double A roster right now. But they played some good hard nosed SEC football yesterday and they won that game over South Carolina by a final of 17 to 10. Good win for Illinois. The Illini picked up a win last night. Uh, they knocked off. Uh, Nebraska by a final of 41-23. And in that victory over Nebraska, they won back-to-back games. Not only that, they won in Lincoln for the first time since 1924. And not only that, they scored 28 points in the first half against the Big Ten team for the first time in 10 years. This Illinois team has also been depleted by COVID-19, and they deserve some credit for what they've done. Illinois, with a win over Nebraska, final score was 41-23, and they've now won back-to-back games. That uh, Clemson-Florida State game was postponed due to COVID. There was one positive test on the Clemson side that was learned on Friday. That's according to the AP. So that was the issue there, and they had to postpone that game between the number four team in the country at Florida State. So the college football playoff rankings will come out on Tuesday, and who will it be? I don't know that you can argue with the top four, to be honest. I mean, the top four teams are the top four. Number one is Alabama. They smoked Kentucky 63-3. Notre Dame's been good. And they were impressive at Boston College most recently. Of course, the win over Clemson was great without Trevor Lawrence, but still. 
beat Clemson, and they are firmly at number two. Number three, Ohio State. Indiana gave them a game, but Ohio State was able to get the win, 42-35. They were up 35-7 in the game. They're going to have to figure out what went wrong there. Indiana with a great effort. Ohio State not themselves in the second half. That quarterback, Justin Fields, is tremendous, but he looked not like a machine. He looked like a, a human. He was made mortal in that game. They've got to figure out why he threw three picks against that Indiana secondary, which is good. Uh, number four is Clemson. I don't know that you can argue with those four. The rest of them trying to break in, we'll see. I mean, Texas A&M will have uh, a chance. We'll also have, you know, an opportunity probably for Cincinnati to come knocking on the door. They're unbeaten. BYU, not a very tough schedule, but... They're doing what they're supposed to do. They're beating people in their schedule left and right. So we'll see what that looks like in the standings uh, come college football playoff time. That's on the way on Tuesday, the top 25 in college football. The other team I think uh, to keep an eye on is Florida. You know, Florida is number six in the country. They're the number one team in the SEC East. A little trouble with Vanderbilt yesterday, but won the game 38-17. They're awfully good. I mean, you just ask Mizzou, they'll tell you. They are really, really good. So they're 6-1 and one on the season, and we'll watch them pretty closely. The unbeaten team in the NFL is Pittsburgh Steelers. They are unbeaten. They play Jacksonville this afternoon, a Jacksonville Jaguars team that has only one win on the season. But the Steelers don't really play well in Jacksonville, if you've noticed, through the years. Uh, they've managed to squeeze out some victories in the last three trips. The Steelers have at least one sack in 66 consecutive games. That is three shy of Tampa Bay's NFL record set between 99 and 03 when they had Warren Sapp uh, shooting the gap and just destroying people. So we'll see. This Steelers team is the real deal. Uh, six and three teams in Baltimore. The Titans visit the Ravens, a superb running attack. Derrick Henry, second in the NFL in rushing with 946 yards. He has five 100-yard rushing games this season. But the Ravens led the NFL and continue to in fewest points allowed per game. So that's a fascinating matchup. Our matchup tonight will be the Chiefs and the Raiders. Raiders got them the first time around. We'll see what the Chiefs do this time. They're 8-1 and one on the season. They've won four straight. They play Vegas, who's good. I mean, the Raiders are 6-3. and three. They've won three in a row. And those two teams will hook up tonight on KMOX at 7-20. We will have the pregame at 6 o'clock. Some other games to watch. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles at Cleveland. They go at noon. Atlanta at New Orleans is at noon. And one other game that... Uh, should not be ignored is the 325 game today between Green Bay and Indianapolis. People might have forgotten about the Colts, but they're six and three. They're good. Uh, the Green Bay Packers at seven and two will visit them today. That should be one of the best matchups of the day. Thanks to James O'Sullivan. I'm Tom Ackerman. Sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal. So why not refresh your home with a little help from blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. 
Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.